Okay, hi, I'm Joy. Every time I have to stand up here and introduce myself, um, I kind of feel like I'm in an AA meeting or something. Hi, I'm Joy, and um, okay, you're next. Say your name and um, how many days you've been sober. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's two things I normally do when I stand up in here and preach. The first thing is I talk too much, and the second is that I cry. Uh, in normal circumstances, I can blame the crying on being pregnant. Uh, Adrian was kind enough to point out to me that I normally only preach when I'm pregnant, apparently. I'm not pregnant today, but I might as well be. <laughs> so the downside is I don't have a very good excuse for crying when I get to that part of the sermon. The upside is I'm not pregnant. And those of you who have carried a baby in your body three more times know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and um, the good news is today's sermon started out as a three-week series that I preached, I think um, and at that point, I had 50 pages of material between those three weeks, and I want you to know I whittled it down to about 48 pages, so I'll get you out of here before midnight tonight. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you were here before we showed up, that you were the one inviting us to come, and that we answered your call, and we said, I'm coming to meet you today, and I'm coming to meet your people today. I just pray that you will give me your words and your passion and that you will open our hearts to receive what you have to say to each one of us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, last bit of business. Good chance baby's going to wake up about halfway through this. I have a plan. I will pass him off as long as he is pass offable. Okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, Marie, would you bring up my ethereal slide for me? Okay, yeah. Humanity. People. Milling around on a globe that's spinning through space. A great community of humanity seeking purpose, seeking meaning, seeking a cause. Some of us have found that great cause in a man who is infinitely loving and equally mysterious. And the foes, followers of Jesus, they're all around the world today, as we know. They sing in every language. They worship in every time zone. They are believing in through every nationality, and they're gathering together at every level of freedom and persecution. Jesus' followers also inhabit another realm, this invisible place that some people have actually seen and come back to write and tell us about, but for now a place too far for most people to see, yet probably more real, more visible, more amazingly true than anything you can see with your eyes right now. That realm is full of singing, exploding with language and melody and harmony, perfectly in balance, perfectly in tune. One continuous, never-ending loop of perfect pitch. A million billion voices melting together in continuous worship. The voices of those who exited this world before us are floating around in a world more real and more beautiful than anything we can really imagine a place where they sing endless praise to a God they're actually seeing. I mean, if I could fly and I never had to pay bills or change diapers, I would be singing endless praise too. So what do y'all think when you hear the word worship? Singing songs? Sunday morning? Church? Somebody playing some kind of music? Some words on a screen? The drums are too loud? The bass is too loud? Everything is too loud. I don't like that song. A word is spelled wrong in the PowerPoint. There is no PowerPoint. The singer is off pitch. I like slow songs. I like fast songs. 
I like no songs. The audio tech is asleep. I would rather be asleep. We make it about us. Psalm 95.6. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And Psalm 95.1. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Nehemiah 9, 6, you alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, all the starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything and the multitudes of heaven worship you. Right, so now I have three sentences. They are the three points that I am going to be making today and not next week, but the week after because As usual, I talk too long, and so I decided to just make it two weeks. So today, this is the main one we're talking about. Worship, and there's lots of ways to define worship, yeah? But this is how I've defined it for today. Worship is an action of our spirit in which our body participates. Okay, that's point one. We're going to be going through that today. Point two, two weeks from now, y'all better come back. Worship is a sacrifice that changes us and the circumstances around us. And then number three, which we'll find kind of intermingled through all of this, is that doing worship within a community is a core vineyard valley. Value, not valley. All right. This small but mighty church, the vineyard, we're part of an association of vineyard churches that are around the world. There are about 2,400 vineyard churches in about 90 countries. And myself, along with a dedicated team of people you see here on this side of the room every week, help facilitate worship here at our Vineyard Church, and I say worship because, as we've already identified, this is not the only part of worship, right? And we, along with a great host of humanity all around the earth and in heaven, are worshiping our great cause, the person Jesus. And this particular Vineyard movement, which was started back in the 70s, here are some ways that we kind of uh, say that worship means to us as a, as a group of 2,400 churches and the values that intermingle and underlie that that it is corporate, which means everybody gets to participate, that it's passionate, which means we've chosen to be involved, and that it's engaging to our entire being. It's not something you're just going to watch. In the 1970s, when our founder, John Wimber, kind of started this movement, um, he kind of came in and discovered Jesus, and we watched a few videos recently about how that was. He's a pretty funny guy. I'm sure he's cracking them all up in heaven now. Um, He was a professional musician, Think like bars and late nights and questionable circumstances kind of musician. And he jokes that when he found Jesus, he thought he was going to have to give up music completely. Um, his only experience with music was NSFC. If you've heard that acronym, it's usually NSFW, not safe for work, which means you shouldn't be looking at this on your screen while you're sitting at your desk at work. So what he had done was not safe for church. So he thought he was just going to have to give that all up after meeting Jesus. But after a few weeks, um, as John began to kind of transition into sort of a leadership role and try to say, what is God doing here? And people are gathering around and they're kind of doing something together and forming something. They don't really know what it is yet, but it's, it's becoming something. Some of them just start singing and some of them just show up with their guitar and start playing. Um, I read a, a blog post by a man named Carl Tuttle. He was heavily involved in the vineyard for the first couple decades, and he was part of those early years. Um, there's a picture here. I think he's probably one of those guys, probably the one at the top of the screen there, and John Wimber over here on the left. 
playing keyboard. And then, as usual, you can't see the bass player. They like to hide. And then there's somebody else. Anyway, looks. So anyway, I think there's one, two, three, four. There's looks like there's five up there right now. But they had four or five people. And Carl says at that point in the history, they never rehearsed. Uh, there was no PowerPoint. There were no printed lyric sheets. The band would just show up, tune their instruments, and start playing. And the music was simple. There was very repetitive, not too many words. And the congregation was able to learn the 20 or 30 songs and sing. And they just worshipped together. So it was really just about this very simple, profound corporate experience. Uh, there was and singing together and that expression, doing that, connecting each other and connecting to God. There were no flashing lights, no background tracks, no professional singers, no electricity, no amplification. It looks like maybe they do have electricity at this point. This picture was taken. Definitely no smoke machines. This was not a concert, which is what we see in a lot of big churches today. I'm not slamming that. I'm just saying it was different when the Vineyard Movement got started, and there's some values there that underscored what was different that we still want to hang on to those values today. Um, In fact, uh, Carl mentions in this post I was reading that they had opportunities where professional musicians and singers came through their church and they turned them down from joining the worship team because they wanted to keep it simple and accessible to the people. And that kind of trumped the value of any sort of impressive concert skill. It made me feel a little bit better (laughs) about what we have to present today because I think that's what we're doing well here. I hope that's what we're doing well here with worship at our church is inviting you to participate in something that's accessible. All right, so let's go back to my statement earlier. Worship is an action of our spirit in which our body participates. And I'm going to hone in on worship as an action. Um, there, I have an assistant. Where's my assistant? This is DeAndrea. Everybody give her a hand. Okay. All right. So I have, um, she's going to go through four illustrations for us of ways that we know how to use, to, uh, to integrate uh, our action of worship, worship being something we're praising or excited about something. All right. First one. Uh, she's going to be at her very favorite concert of her very favorite band, which I don't think any plays anymore, which is the Beatles. Show us how you would be so excited if you were at a Beatles concert in the very front row. She's so excited. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. Super fan. Okay. Next one. Y'all have to guess. Okay. She's singing. She's all alone. Woohoo! Okay, thank you. Um, all right, now we have a wedding. Have any of y'all been to a wedding reception? Raise your hands if you were the one that was like dragging somebody onto the dance floor. Like, come on, come on out and dance with me. Oh, okay, one hand. All the rest of you. Okay, two. The rest of you are the people sitting in the tables being dragged. Oh man. Okay, four. Okay, we got four of you. Oh man, it's gonna be rough. Okay, well, DeAndrea would be on the dance floor. I guarantee you, if she was at a wedding reception. Can you show us how that would be? Your favorite song is playing. She's just chilling out, just chilling out. Okay, okay, last one. Have a seat. This is her favorite sports team. I I told her that the Jets and Eagles were playing today, and she said that doesn't count because that's not her favorite sports team. And she has to imagine herself in her favorite sports team. So her favorite sports team is on today. She's watching the TV. And they go, they go, they go, they go. They score! Okay, give her a hand. Thank you, DeAndrea. (laughs) 
Okay, so we instinctively know how to engage our bodies in worship because we were made for it. We were created for it. We weren't created as these separate little chunks of mind, emotion, heart, body. God made us this one person, and one part of us affects the other part, affects the other part. And so when we're praising and excited about something that we're passionate about, it, we naturally move. And um, in some cases, we move first, and then kind of our heart, you know, comes along. We don't even realize, like, oh, and then you're like, oh, man, I kind of, you know, okay, sit back down. First <laughs> Peter 2, verse 9, says this. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And Isaiah 43 says this, But now, this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. You are the people I formed for myself to give me praise. All right, I'm going to pause there for just a moment, pass off this beautiful baby. Benjamin, did you mute the microphone? So I don't make a big clunky sound. I know, but I'm not. Push them up again and hope that solves. All right. Okay. All right, so that was worship is an action. Second point, worship occurs in our spirit. John 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 24. There's no slide for this. She didn't make a mistake. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Our spirit represents the deepest parts of who we are. And worship occurs within the only part of us that is going to live forever. Worship occurs in the only part of you that is going to live forever. From the deepest part of you, your spirit. That is the level on which God wants to relate to you. That is the point in which we encounter and meet him in worship. So what happens? Your spirit is not in a place of worship. Everyone in your house woke up on the wrong side of bed, except you. Your attitude is merely a response to all the craziness around you. So you buckle a load of whiny little butts into the car, take deep yoga breaths while driving toward church. There's too many red lights, you show up late, the music is already playing, and seriously, who is in the mood to worship after the morning that you just had? Okay, I wanted this off, but I guess it's not coming up. All right. And you show up here, and then what? There is action required of you. This is not emotional hype. It is choosing to worship with your spirit, not your feelings. If you've ever had to tell a kid to be obedient, to do what you said, and they're, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, but then they go, I don't want to do it, and they're kind of doing it anyway while they don't want to do it. Sometimes that is obedience, and it might be okay that we don't want to do it, but we do it, and we tell our body and we tell our feelings to get into line with our spirit because our spirit is here to worship God today in the people around us. And to me, this is also why the part of the service where we do worship uh, has the potential to be so engaging because it's anchored in the deepest, truest, eternal part of us. 
So release your anger-clenched hands and raise them up. Tone down your yelling into singing. Decide to make your body cooperate with your spirit and show up. And who shows up next? Who has been waiting here to meet you? A spirit responding to your spirit, letting you pour out all that frustration and discouragement and pouring into you strength and acceptance and love and peace. This is possible for you. And I guarantee when you choose to engage in worship, it will change you inside, outside, over and over again. All right, next point. Worship is a verb. Our body participates. So worship is happening when your spirit is responding to God. So that's why we're defining worship in this particular scenario as an action rather than experience. Because an experience could be something done to you, and we're talking about something you are doing, not done to you. Our English word worship comes from these two words, worth and ship, and they're separate in their origins, and they mean to ascribe or declare worth. And then we have a couple Old Testament Hebrew words. There's many more than just these two, but there are two that I, um, I pulled out that I thought were meaningful. One is shakah. It's the most used word when the Bible, when your English translation says worship. And it actually means to bow down or fall down in reverence and awe. And then the other one that's used pretty commonly is abad, which means to serve or work. Again, an action participating with your body. In the New Testament, we have a couple Greek words that, I, that I, were used pretty commonly that I decided to focus on. One is proskuneo. And that, again, meant to bow down or prostrate oneself. And then another one is called latreo, and that meant to serve or pay homage to. So both of these words have some, some similarities between them. In Matthew 22, verse 37, there's a verse you most likely have heard if you've been attended a church more than a handful of times, and it is this. Jesus said these very famous words, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. In other words, all of you. All of your whole person being, not leaving out any part. Interestingly enough, you, some of you may know what comes after this. Jesus is saying the greatest commandment. This is the first one. The second one is love your neighbor as yourself. And that is love God within community. So love and worship him with your whole self and do that within a community of people doing the same thing. Why would we want to participate with our body? It engages our emotions. Have you ever noticed? If your body is doing something, your emotions tend to kind of haul along. It helps us experience in our hearts what we know in our heads. Bring some connection here. Honestly, it's easier to remember song lyrics than it is a memorized poem. And in the Bible, I have a whole other thing I've preached at a different time that was all had to do with physical expressions of worship. And here's just a short list. Kneeling, bowing, shouting, lifting hands, and dancing. And there's more. But all of these are listed many times over throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament as physical expressions of worship. A movement is just a natural response to our emotion. And it allows our whole person and not isolated parts And again, it's a communal experience. You can see other people around you worshiping, engaging, participating with what God is doing. All right, so again, I'm going to say this whole sentence. Worship is an action of our spirit 
in which our body is participating. All right, so I want to tell you a story um, from my life. This was back in um, college, one of the summers that I was home from college, and we had, um, not this building, a different building, and there was worship and music going on, and probably toward the end of the time, and they had called people forward for ministry, et cetera, and there was a bunch of people. The stage there was really large, maybe three or four times the size as this one, and so we were actually, a group of us were actually kneeling and worshiping and bowing on the stage itself, um, kind of, if you would imagine if the stage went out further and we were kind of up here gathered in front of the equipment, um, and I was just crouched down, just huddled over on the ground. I remember just weeping and weeping, and when I was working on my uh, message for you guys today, this was the story that kind of came to mind. I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell, and it was interesting because I spent, I worked on, on this message every night this week for a little bit, and it wasn't until last night that I finally remembered what it was God was talking to me about in that moment. Really, the only image that I could remember this whole week was just being there, kneeling down, bent over, huddled over, just weeping, and knowing that the presence of God was just all around me, just surrounding me, inside of me, with me, and feeling like there was some darkness and sadness happening inside of me, but he was meeting me there, and I just wanted to be in that place and never have it go away. And... um, So the music is playing, and there's people around praying for some of those that are up there. Probably somebody came by and prayed for me and moved on, or maybe nobody had, and I was there whimpering about how nobody had come to pray for me yet. And I heard the Lord's quiet nudge in my spirit. And I'll tell you now, when I finally remembered what it was about, there was this guy that I thought I was falling in love with over the course of that summer here in San Antonio. And I had been kind of asking the Lord, you know, what are you doing? Could this be the person you have for me? And in that moment, crouched down there on the stage, I just, I wasn't even thinking about that situation at the moment. I was just being in the presence of the Lord, and I just heard, no. But I love you. I'm here for you. And I do have someone for you, not this person. And uh, Benjamin and I are about to celebrate our 17th wedding anniversary next weekend. The guy I thought I was in love with on that day was not Benjamin. It was someone else. And he's probably happily married with children now, too. And we've gone our ways, and that's fine. But what I remember most about the experience is not even what God told me or how disappointed that I was when I heard him tell me that. It was the sense of his presence and that I just didn't want to leave his presence, that I just wanted to be there with him. And honestly, I think that part of why I remember this moment so much is because of the physical position of my body, that I, was, I wasn't in a normal position you'd put yourself in, and I was in a position that said, Lord, I am here at your feet, I am yours, and you are mine, and I just want to be with you. If you've never experienced his presence like that, or it's been a long time since you did, There is an invitation today from the Lord with your name on it. Worship is an action of our spirit in which our body participates. Two weeks from now, we'll come back and talk about the second part. Worship is a sacrifice that changes us and the circumstances around us. And doing that worship within a community is a core vineyard value. Next week is Bert Wagner. Um, 
there's a great story that my parents have. I hope they get to tell it next week about Bert, how basically my mom had a dream about him before we ever met him, before we ever moved to Texas, my family ever moved to Texas to plant this church. And she met him, and he looked just like the dream. And she was like, Ugh. Um, and he's, uh, he was a vineyard pastor in Houston for many, many years, and many churches were planted from his church out into Houston. And then he went on to become the national director of the Vineyard Association of Churches. Now he's retired, and he's doing fun stuff while he retires, like come and talk to people like us. So try to make it here. It'll be a great time. The following week after he's here <clears throat> um, will be me again, and I'll give you the second part of this message. And I want to do something here as we end. I'm going to get you um, participating with me. So we're going to go through these three words, action, spirit, body, because worship is an action of our spirit in which our body participates. So on action, I want everybody to stand up. On our spirit, we're going to do wiggly fingers. And on your body participates, we're going to turn in a circle like the hokey pokey. Okay? All right, one more time, and then I won't make you be silly anymore. Worship is an action of our spirit, wiggly fingers, in which our body participates. Turn around in a circle. All right, so now we're going to take a moment to practice what we preached. If the worship team would come on back up. And this is what I'd like for you to do now. I'd like you to just get your body in a position that is ready to engage with God. Maybe that is kneeling and laying on your face. There's probably space up here at the front to do that on the carpet. If you really feel like that is what God is asking you to do, don't be ashamed. Come and do it because he honors our obedience. Or you might just put your hands out like this to receive him, or you might just stand Um, you know, with your eyes closed and ready. But I want you to get your body ready in a position where you know I am saying to you, God, that I am here and I am ready to come and meet with you. Maybe you want to lift your hands up as we sing and just reach out to him, letting him know that I want to touch you. I want to be more. And we're just going to allow our spirit, our mind, our heart to open up. The Holy Spirit is inviting you to partake of him today, to experience that tangible presence in a way that marks today in your memory. And he has been waiting for you. And he knows what you showed up with today. He knows your sorrow. He knows your stubbornness. He knows your sickness. And he's ready to meet you in the middle of all of that and be your God right in the middle of it and walk in journey with you and love you all in the middle of that. You don't have to fix it for him to love you. So just let your worship honor him today and let him respond back to you and engage with your spirit pray and then I'll let you sing your last song. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for your goodness and your love. Thank you that you created us with all these intricate facets of who we are and that they're all part of what we use when we come to you. I just pray that you will come today, Lord, those that have um, just been awakened today for their hunger for you and for this emptiness that's been empty for too long. And you just say, I'm here today. And your name is on my list of people to greet and love. Lord, would you just open our hearts up to meet you and engage with you and receive your love today.